0: The America's Jobs Team podcast for economic developers by economic developers. Join the Consultant Connect team every Thursday for discussions surrounding the latest in our industry. Learn from fellow economic development heroes, get leadership advice, keep on top of industry trends and shifts, and so much more. You are part of America's Jobs Team. And we're so glad that you're tuning in. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the America's Jobs team. I'm Carla Sones, and I am truly delighted for today's um, episode. This is a really big treat for our listening audience. As you all know, listeners, we do the top 50 economic developers each year, and our one of our guests today was nominated as one of 2022's top 50 economic developers. So you're going to get a chance to hear from Jim Staten today. But what's also exciting is that we have another special guest that many of you know, site consultant from CBRE, Chris Shastock. And what you may not know is that Chris and Jim are friends and they get along with each other. They met through the business and have just kind of kept this friendship. And so we thought it'd be really cool on Jim's feature of the top 50 economic developers to have Chris actually take over and interview his friend, Jim. So that's what we're going to do today. It's kind of a crossroads of site consultant, economic developer, and I get a chance to kickstart it. And then Chris is going to kind of take it from there. So how I'm going to kickstart us into this conversation, gentlemen, is to understand a little bit of the backstory of how you all met How long have you been friends and what kept you friends when you met through a professional like work-related or project-related setting? So Chris, do you want to start with how you met your friend, Jim?
1: I would be happy to. Uh, Jim, pleasure, pleasure to be doing this with you. Carla, thank you for hosting us. You know, I think the start of our true kind of friendship relationship, you know, while we had met some years prior was five or six years ago in what many could say was an unfortunate launch to a friendship or a relationship and that was the tried and true day-to-day of economic development working on a project talking about a funky deal and something that had actually gone sideways in jim's state and reaching out to jim with a I need help kind of request and question, not looking for him to solve something, not looking for him to give us a special exception, but but rather a kind of toe stub on behalf of a local partner of his, which is really not here nor there or important to this conversation. But I quickly saw in Jim a willingness and an ability to jump in when it's not all roses and smiles and a willingness to help But moreover, a willingness to really dive in deep and try to help us cure something and find a definitive path forward. So, Jim, I don't know if you see that a different way or maybe less peachy looking back five years, but uh, certainly welcome to hear your commentary.
2: No, it was spot on, Chris. You know, it it was one of those things where your commitment to the project really, as always, was showing through your passion for projects and, and making deals happen. But you were also concerned about a local economic developer learning and, you know, trying to help that person grow and do better because we all do better as we try and teach and mentor. But, you know, it, it could have been just as easier for you to just write everything off to say, OK, they're out, you know, no further conversations necessary. But, you know, seeing that commitment and, and passion in you was one of those things that I'm like, this guy's a real deal. We, you know, I I need to know him better because all the years of crossing paths at conferences and baseball games and what have you, uh, you know, it was one of those times where it was great to, to make a new friend. That's for sure.
0: Awesome. Well, I love hearing how you all met and I love your admiration for one another and the respect you have for one another. And I'm curious, you talked a little bit about how you both met, but what kept you friends? Like you met in these circumstances that weren't really ideal. You kind of said we met each other, circumstances weren't ideal, but we immediately kind of respected each other for how we were handling the situation and what our intentions were on behalf of the profession and on behalf of the companies and projects that you work for. But how did you kind of launch your friendship from there? Like what has kept you friends over the course of those years?
1: Look, everybody says this is a relationship business and and you like working with people that you trust as well as respect. And I think, I think the trust was just apparent really quickly. And you know, this is a recorded podcast, but it's not scripted. And I will just say that you know, I think what we both quickly saw, or at least I'll speak for myself, Carlo, was that we had, we had similar senses of humor, not taking things too seriously or thinking that you know any misstep was the end of the world, but rather trying to figure out how collectively we could work together to, to go push things forward. And the facts are as follows. That first project didn't end up in Indiana. But since then, Jim and I have worked on a handful of small, medium, and really large, meaningful projects all over the state of Indiana during his tenure there. And you know, I think the willingness, as we often did, to chat that kind of 5 p.m. Friday conversation and relax, and as Jim said at the beginning, kind of speak freely and check each other And the real estate deal and what our local partners were doing, either on my side or on his side, I think really created the building blocks for not only a friendship, but a a serious working relationship that has benefited a a lot of companies and a lot of citizens in Indiana.
0: And Jim, so many economic developers would love to have Chris Shastock call them their friend. So, from your side, how did you develop that relationship? Some people are kind of intimidated by site consultants, maybe not Chris, maybe Chris, but how did you kind of develop that friendship with Chris? Well,
2: you, you know, I, I always kind of operate under the Godfather principle. Um, it's not personal, it's business. And, uh, you know, we can have very direct business conversations, but the personal conversations were always, you know, have always been great fun, uh, whether we're ripping on each other or, or you know, someone else for, you know, some misstep or talking about our kids, our families, and, you know, Chris's drive to annual pilgrimage down to Washington, Indiana, and, uh, you know, it's it's all those kind of things, but, yeah, it's, we've just, I think, again, hit that rapport where we can say things to one another that other people might be like, oh, my God, I know my wife, Deb, has overheard Chris and I talking before, and she's like, who is that guy, and why is he sit talking like that, and it's like, he's a friend, and we can talk that way. And uh, so it's just a lot of fun that we can, you know, we can get the business done and we've done some amazing deals together and then, you know, fairly complex deals they all haven't been these baked ones coming in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we know when it's time to put down the work phone and pick up the personal phone and have a nice chat.
0: I love that. So Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you now to interview your friend, Jim. So I know you have a few questions for him about his experience in economic development, really highlighting the award of top 50 economic developers. So I'm going to turn it over to you two to have a conversation.
1: Thank you, Carla. So, you know, Jim, I think given the timing, here we are in, in 22 and you definitely sent a shockwave out to the economic development community this spring. Uh, with the news that you were making a change, which we'll come to in a second. But maybe for those that don't know you as well, given the kind of 15-year run that you had at the department in Indiana, can you share a little bit more about what brought you to economic development to start? Kind of where did you jump off that led you to where you are today?
2: Well, you know, I think... I didn't know it at the time, but I could go all the way back to when I was a young kid, and uh, I grew up in a family of builders and developers, and my dad would throw us six kids in the back of the station wagon and drive around showing us buildings that he had done, you know, projects that he had undertaken. And he he wasn't doing it to brag. He was just doing it to show what he had done. And he was very proud of the fact that whether it was a business, whether it was a home, that in some way he was helping people have a better life. And, you know, that was always his passion. He did it for almost all of his career. And again, I didn't know it at the time. But then as I went into college and I will say college was the best 10 years of my life, when I got into urban planning and development, That started making sense to me, but I didn't really, I think, fit the mold of an urban planner. Uh, I didn't quite uh, have that particular viewpoint uh, on development at times. And so kind of right out of college, I got a job with the Regional Plan Commission doing economic development planning and grant writing. And it really helped me understand the relationships of making sure a community is ready for development because so many of the communities I was working at with at that time were Very rural, and the infrastructure in those communities wasn't great. So it it taught me early on, you know, you really have to help a community get ready for when that company comes. And so I, you know, I think really, I almost fell into it. It was my first job in economic development. I think really stirred the passion even more, and I it started coming full circle as to why we do what we do, and that's just really helping people have better lives.
1: So thinking back prior to the transition that you made. From rising the ranks at IEDC to being interim secretary, if you look back on those 15 plus years there, is there a project or two that you think really either A, defined you or defined your time and tenure? Kind of, I said another way, maybe not the only or the most important, but maybe one of the more important projects that you had the opportunity to work on uh, for for Hoosier country.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the one that continues to rise to the top and frankly was the genesis of that uh, infamous phone message that I've retained since April of 2014 or 15, the deal up in East Chicago with hoist lip trucks, four or 500 jobs at really good wages so for your $50 million investment. It really was a project that that city needed, but I've never in my life had a more difficult time getting a project done. You know, all the way from getting a phone call from the owner's son saying my dad's about to be arrested because he's been uh, in contempt of court to getting calls uh, during my uh, wedding and honeymoon from the consultant and the company. It was just one of those crazy projects that at one point, you know, the, the mayor of Chicago and the owner of that company were just almost sworn enemies. And then at the very end, actually uh, during the ribbon cutting for the project. The mayor and I were walking downstairs and you know, he started wiping his eyes and I said, Mary, are you all right? Because we were on a factory floor. I thought maybe he'd gotten something in his eyes and he said, yeah, I'm fine. And then he stopped and turned around and, and said, no, I'm lying to you. He said, I'm crying because I've seen a bunch of my friends and neighbors out here on this floor today that have jobs because of what we did to help this company get here. And I said, yes, sir, that's what it's all about. It's about making lives better for people and if you go about doing it in the right way, these days are the kind of days you'll always remember. And and so, you know, it was one of those crazy, crazy projects. You know, I was able to get the IEDC to do things we hadn't done before to help win that one. But it was one where you just, uh, again, you couldn't take it personal. It was business at that time. And, and you just really had to plow through and, and work through that difficult, you know, the difficult challenges of that.
1: So speaking of challenges, during your time and tenure, you know, obviously, Many know you. You've been a steady face of the state of Indiana and you've worked across a number of different governors, some of who have become more high profile than others, but all who led Indiana through pretty tremendous periods of growth. You know, if you think about some of your peers and colleagues out there that were either in your prior role or peers of yours in your new current role, any advice or commentary that you'd provide based on your experience?
2: You know, just be direct. I mean, it's one of those things where, especially with elected officials, you know, the the only criteria that most of them have is that to get into offices, they want a popularity contest. They're no different than you. Many, you know, some are smarter, some are not. But the fact of the matter is they're just human beings like the rest of us treat them with the respect that they treat you. And but really you can't always acquiesce to what they're saying. And and you know, that's one of those situations where people have had very long and very good careers, I suppose, being a yes person or a yes man, but it didn't further the profession. It didn't really further their careers. And in many cases, when you do that down the line, it's there are gonna be a lot more problems to deal with because of that unwillingness to tell the truth and be direct and honest about what's going on. And you know, seen it a number of times and, you know, have undone problems that that's created with others. But I I think one of the things I'm proud of and and the the advice I would always give is just you're an economic development professional. People count on you and rely on you to give sound advice and solid advice as to how economic development should take place in, you know, whether it's city, state, county, what have you. Offer that advice up and and do it unapologetically. I mean, there's no reason to sit back and, and let elected officials with temporary agendas alter what could be a very long-term successful course that you've placed your community on.
1: So with that sage advice, tell us a little bit more. You and you and I have not even chatted live since you've made the formal move. Tell us a little bit more about what you've gone off to do and and really based on your tenure, what was it about your life and the horizon in front of you that made you want to make the switch at a time where you guys have just been knocking the cover off the ball?
2: Well, you know, first with what I do here, I'm the the economic development lead for the AES Corporation. Effectively, I'm overseeing economic development for both the AES Ohio Territory as well as the AES Indiana Territory. So we've got over in Ohio, I think, 24 counties pretty much from the state line with Indiana going east over to Dayton, including the Dayton metro. Uh, Marysville is uh, one of the communities in our service territory over there. And then here in Indiana, it's basically Marion County, plus little fingers that stretch out into the surrounding counties. But uh, AES is getting back into the world of economic development. They've been on pause here for a little while. And so I'm kind of building a new team, building a new program. And, you know, that was really the appeal of the position was really – getting to start over and start you know in a new area I've not worked for a utility I've worked with plenty of utilities but for me to learn something new at this point in my career was kind of exciting and the ability to start you know start up a new uh, organization within AES that's going to continue to help you know now in Indiana and Ohio but it was a hard decision I mean I'd been with the state for 16 years and as you said Chris all the way from where we probably first met with regional director of our Northwest office uh, by Chicago to being interim secretary for a period last year. You know, the last five years of being in a leadership position of the business development team and the organization, you know, in each of those last five years, we broke at least one record every year. And, and last year, I think three of the five metrics we're normally, the states normally judged on, we, we broke. So, it was time, really, I, I took a step back and looked at it, and I looked at the young leaders that i have been mentoring and working with, and I'm like, I need to get out of their way. They're ready. This last year, they really stepped up, took on challenges, uh, actually, the last couple of years through the pandemic and then and, and after. They really stepped up and, and took charge of what was going on in the organization. And you know, as a good leader, I think you have to take stock of yourself. You have to take stock of the talent around you. I just didn't feel like I had a whole lot more to offer. I could have easily rode out the next two and a half years of the Holcomb uh, administration and uh, rode off into the sunset at that point. But I wasn't ready to do that. I, it's not my nature to just coast. And so taking on a new challenge was something that I found very exciting and it's been rewarding so far. But I'm really proud of the organization, uh, IEDC. They're still you know, hitting it like they're killing snakes. I tell you, they're doing a great job still. They'll probably have at least one record this year, if not more. And with the new toolbox that the legislature passed earlier this year, I think we're going to see some big things happen in the state of Indiana. And so, you know, proud of my time there, proud of the team over there. And, and I think they're going to do very well. And, and I'm still a block away. And, you know, we cross paths with, the, with them all the time.
1: So, Jim, I have a wife that works at my biggest competitor. You're not the only economic development titan in your house with Dev running a tight ship in Brownsburg what lovely personal advice do you have for everybody in potential houses that are divided, which yours wasn't divided, but being interim secretary and having your better half be in local economic development must have provided you some level of conflict at some point along the line. <laughs> anything, anything you care to share?
2: Oh yeah. I'm going to have to be careful with that one. Sheesh. That's uh no, it, it was one where, uh yeah, Deb had to check me a couple of times, especially as secretary, because I'm like, well, come on, let's go do this. You know, you should be happy to be walking around with the secretary of commerce. And, <laughs> and you know, she's, she's like, uh, no, you just need to go and, you know, go handle that yourself. I've got my own things to do. But, uh, you know, I kind of joke about that. But it, it's one of those things where, again, we have great conversations at home. And it's a situation where we we have both done this for a long time. So we know really what boundaries there are in in terms of, well, you and uh, Eric were working a deal with her while I was still at the state and I had to stay way the heck away from it. And, you know, it was one of those situations where I think as professionals, we knew how to handle that. But it's honestly a delight Deb's made me a much better economic developer. I think we've both had that influence on one another, but just having that sounding board that close all the time been one of those things that I really enjoyed that, that time. And again, we were getting married and on our honeymoon in Key West during that horrible project that I'd mentioned, the, the horrible project that turned out. But you know she was patient with all the phone calls and all the interruptions. and you know we've both gone through that with challenging clients, challenging bosses in her case at times. You know, you just have to learn to be patient and understand that she is as committed to Brownsburg and the job she's doing there as I am to now AES and the job I'm doing here. And there are times where we just have to, again, be patient with one another and and understand what's going on. But having both folks be in the business together, I think it makes
1: it a lot easier. Well, I, I love the answer. The way you speak about your wife is always with such passion. And I, I know it goes both ways. And it was it's always been fun to have an opportunity in some cases to work with the whole household. <laughs> I know we're probably getting close to time, but in good fashion, given all the years that you've put in in this business, someone's always got a good story. And I think no better person than to ask than you of... <laughs> What would you say is just the goofiest, craziest, either project or site visit or something that you can look back and really just laugh about based on your time at the state of Indiana?
2: Oh my, there's uh, yeah, the <laughs> I can't say there's a lot because then that would imply that I'm a real goofball and can't get anything right. But no one fairly recently that just had me in stitches, I was kind of overseeing it from the central office, but I had a team out on the road doing a site tour with a, um, a spanish company and they had a u.s representative with them uh, not political representative but just a representative from the u.s and he and my second in command at the time nearly came to blows during the time they were in the tour bus we had rented this kind of short little bus to take people around and take the team around and take the company around and kind of a late fall early spring day i can't remember exactly but it was fairly cold outside they were in this bus which incidentally had a stripper pole in it because the bus that we had originally chartered broke down and so this was the only one they had. So as my guy and the person with the company kept arguing and you know expelling carbon dioxide, the windows started fogging up. And I'm getting these text messages from another person on the team, "Oh my gosh, this guy and this guy are just about to come to blows. There's there's this and this and then all of a sudden I get this one text in all caps OMG, the windows are fogging up and there are obscene stick people drawn on the windows. So as the windows fogged up, these stick people in compromising positions began to appear as everybody's talking. And so they're all trying to run around nonchalantly uh, erasing and wiping down the windows to try and keep the client from doing that. But it made for interesting dinner conversation later that evening, that's for sure.
1: Well, no better way to close a podcast than with that story. But Mr. Jim Staden, it is always a pleasure. You are the man. We look forward to working with you in your new role. And you know, the door is always open if you're headed this way and same with you Chris i mean
2: uh, you'll pretty much be uh, coming by uh, when you know with us in brownsburg now and all that you know it has been you know an honor having you as a friend it's certainly an honor being uh, named as a top 50 uh, really honored it this is actually my second time i think the first time was maybe back in 2015 uh, during the the year of that horrible project but no it, it's you know economic development it's a, it's a great profession it's one where you You do make lifetime friends. And at the end of it all, you know, I think one of the other questions was, you know, what excites me about economic development? And I I love to tell the story that it's really around the holidays when you're out shopping and you see someone wearing a logo of a company that you've helped get to your respective territory, whether it's your town or your community or state, what have you. But seeing that logo, it always takes me back to being a kid in the back of that station wagon. You know, seeing that logo and knowing that that person is having a better life because of some things that you've done in your life. You know, that's what gets me out of bed and excited to come to to work every day is just the ability to get out there and help people. And so that's my charge. That's my passion. That's what I love to do. And and I talk all day about it if, if allowed to.
0: Well, listen, Chris and Jim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so glad that you interviewed each other because you all had me cracking up. And I'm so glad I muted because I was over here like tears rolling over the last story, Jim, which was not the first time I even heard the story, but it gets funnier and funnier to me each time that I hear it. So thank you for bringing a little laughter. Me and Paige enjoyed listening along to you all and, and kind of cracking up over your stories. And we just really appreciate your time. I know you're both so busy and it was just fun to have you interview each other. So thank you. Congratulations again, Jim, for your top 50 award. And we hope to see you both soon. Thanks for sticking with us till the very end. This podcast is sponsored by Research on Investment, Lead Generation for Economic Development, and Gazelle AI. Spend more time closing, less time chasing. Did you like what you heard today? don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The America's
2: Jobs Team podcast is audio engineered by Andrea Fuller and produced by Faye Davis.